0: How many times is that today? Three, four, six, seven, eight. We've sung it a lot of times today. She has. She's very demanding. Uh, Jacob, our Chi Alpha president, is going to come up and he's going to read for me tonight. We're going to look at a fun story in Luke chapter 7. And um, yeah, I've already said it. This is Jacob Eberhard. He's our Chi Alpha president. Uh, he's an amazing president. He's the best president I've ever seen for any student organization. I... Uh, I was Kyle for president one year in college. Uh, it was only one year because they realized the work that I did and how good it wasn't. And um, <laughs> I, I'm not joking. I know last week alone, Jacob did more than I ever did, that I did in, in, for an entire year. And so Jacob is a great president. He's going to read Luke.
1: Luke 7, uh, 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. This is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, saying, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors, one who owned him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he, and he said to him, You have judged rightly. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with them began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What
0: a great story. The um, Anybody a fan of social media? No, I don't believe that. Who has a Tumblr? Or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, lovers of Twitter, Snapchat, I forgot about Snapchat. I forget about it often. It's pretty lame to me, but that's just me. I know that's blasphemous. MySpace, yes, the best. Who still has a MySpace? Zanga, Christopher still has. Christopher just gave away his age, Zanga. There's like, that's like what twenty percent of <laughs> AOL Messenger. <laughs> We're going back. We're going back. We're gonna find so. T- well, how did they communicate before AOL? Email. That's lame. Email is still lame. It was lame then. It's lame now. I love social media for the most part. I don't use all forms of social media, but I'm a I'm a fan of it, especially Twitter. I I really like Twitter. I don't. I have a Twitter that. I use, I think I tweeted once. um, That was like four years ago. And I don't remember what it was. In fact, I think I'm lying. I don't don't think I've ever tweeted. I think I just started. (laughs) I pulled a Damani. You know, Damani has a Facebook, but he doesn't actually use his Facebook. He only uses it to be able to (laughs) interact with the world, as he says. (laughs) 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 It's pretty awesome. But I basically do the exact same thing with Twitter. I love Twitter though cuz I think Twitter is hilarious. Like you just see people go off on someone like I love listening or or reading the comments people make about all different t- things. This summer I was texting a bunch of guys in here about some shoes that had just come uh they were about to come out. They were Steph Curry shoes. Not many people know about them. Not many of y'all know about them, but they were shoes that let's just say they they weren't the most popular. And somebody, Alex says they're the bomb. Uh, A lot of people on Twitter gave them a really hard time. I have some really fun (laughs) tweets about them. (laughs) That's them. Some people don't think they're basketball shoes, they think they're close to the K Swiss. (laughs) Targeting the emergency room demographic. I really like that one. (laughs) The Forrest Gump one is so funny. (laughs) I think we have a couple more. What, what, is, what are the... Oh, there we go. <laughs> the Steph... <laughs> grill, grill up some hot dogs while listening to <laughs> the ball game on the radio. So true. They, they're basketball shoes, but they look more like Kate swiss and, the, and I think that's the reason that, that they get roasted. And the Jordan cry face. Man, I never get tired of the Jordan cry face. I know some people in here are like, oh, I'm so tired of it. It applies to every situation for me. I love... I, I absolutely love the Jordan cry face, and so I, I, I love just reading Twitter and laughing about the comments like, that people have about other stuff going on in the world, but we have all seen social media go in the wrong direction many times where something serious happens and then people say, because they, you know, they feel all tough because they're behind the keyboard, they say some stuff that they would never say to that person to their face. In fact, they probably wouldn't even say it in public. But they say some stuff, and it's like, oh, man. Like some shooting happens somewhere, and then people, you know, had, they have all these opinions. And then with these opinions, they say some pretty bad things, you know. And then it gets to the point where it's like this group against this group. And, well, you know, it, that's the problem with the world is people like this. And then the other people are like, no, no, no. The problem with the world is them. And then you get on Facebook, and it, and – you got Facebook comments, and people are saying, well, this is, these people are the problem with the world. These pre- people are this. These people are that. Everybody has an opinion, especially with social media. You see this idea where everybody thinks that their opinion is legit. Everybody thinks that they have a right to judge and be jury of what's right and wrong in the world. And you see this side pointing at this group saying they're the problem, and then you see this side pointing at this group or another group saying, no, they're the problem. I mean, am I crazy, or have y- have y'all seen this as well too? I have a friend. I did it. There you go. It's not going to stop. I have a friend. Yes, he's dead. He's been dead for about 80 years. I have a friend named G.K. Chesterton, and he said this one time. Um, well, he tells a story how well he tells a story about himself. Basically, an editor of a newspaper in England writes this article saying, "What's wrong with the world?" Any response that you have, mail it into the newspaper. And the editor said that he ended up getting tons and tons and tons of responses. All these different theories and ideas as to what's wrong with the world. And then he gets a letter, and he said the best one was from a man who, it was also the shortest one, but it was the best one. And it said, dear Mr. Editor, you ask what's wrong with the world, I am. Yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> we see this. We see one group of people point at another group of people and say, there, what's wrong with the world? And then you see another group of people point at another group of people and say, They're what's wrong with the world? And then you have this man, G.K. Chesterton, who's looking back at himself and saying, maybe the problem is me. Jesus, I really like Jesus. I like him a lot. He's, he's my biggest hero. By far, he's he's everything to me. I love how Jesus is not about lining up with the social norms or, or what people typically think is right and wrong or what the expectation is. He's constantly clashing with the expectation. I was talking to, I think it was Rachel Mason, she was talking about how she took a religious class. Where is Rachel? There you are. She was talking about how her professor is talking about Jesus, and now he was saying that Jesus... He goes up against all these different social expectations and he like just clears them all out of the way and says, no, no, this isn't right. Neither neither group is right. And he does this in this story and all throughout his life where he kind of rewrites the rules for what is right and wrong. Because Jesus is looking at people and this is what we generally do. You see this. You see one group of people they're kind of like the prostitute we're going to have in this story. Were there people who are the tra- – they're, they're the bad people. It's like the traditional view of sin or the traditional view of wrong. Oh, these are the people who do this and this and this, and you find them doing this stuff. Like I don't want to go into a bunch of specifics, but we can all think of stuff that you usually think of when when it comes to bad people. And you have people who are conservative or – focused on doing what's right and wrong. And they're looking at people like prostitutes or someone that you would find, I don't know, like let's say on High Street, you know, doing whatever. And you have this group saying, oh, that's what's wrong with the world. People who are doing this and this, these bad people, we are on the right side, and they are what's wrong with the world. The world would be better if people were more like us. And then you have... The other side where they're saying, no, 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 you guys are narrow-minded, you're exclusive, you're bigoted. You know how much pain you've brought into the world? You guys are what's wrong. And then they draw a line in the sand and say, no, 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 we see we see things more clearly. You were the issue. But it's funny because whenever somebody draws, dr- draws a line in the sand, they're always on the right side, no matter what they do. And so Jesus kind of comes up on this line, and he just kind of. Wipes right over it. And he says, no, you're both right. You're both wrong. Not right. You're both wrong. You've both missed it. You think the line is between the good and the bad. We just need to define what's good and bad. And I'm telling you that the line is between the proud and the humble. That's what it's all about. And he kind of moves all these different expectations out of the way. Now, if you're like I don't really understand that. Hopefully, by the end of this, it'll make sense. Looking back at this story, pretty crazy story, a little bit risque. In fact, it's very risque. You know, Jesus is doing a bunch of stuff, healing people, saying a bunch of cool things. Pharisee is like, whoa, hey, I'm going to invite you over to my house. Invites Jesus over. Pharisees, one thing you need to know about them, their name comes from the Hebrew word, which means separatist. They pride themselves on separating themselves from bad people. They're focused on doing what's right. And so they're proud of it. They're so proud of it that they make people who don't do what they think they should be doing feel really bad about it. And so this Pharisee invites Jesus over, and he's pretty proud of being a Pharisee because that's what Pharisees are. They're pretty proud of who they are. And he invites Jesus over, but we know that it wasn't like... He wasn't really excited about bringing Jesus over, or at least it wasn't on mm, positive terms. He was kind of hostile, because Jesus alludes to it later. He doesn't wash his feet. Look, when you're walking around in the desert or a desert-like climate, what's the dirtiest thing on your body when nobody has sneakers? Your feet. They stink. And so whenever you walk into an Eastern home, the first thing that you do, this is just general hospitality. It's not like, hey, if I really like somebody, I'm going to wash their feet or I'm going to give them what they need to wash their feet. No, this is like everybody across the board. You give them a basin, a water basin to wash their feet. He didn't do that. You also greet... You just greet them with a kiss, you know. I'm, I've always been weirded out by this, but, you know, the few times that I've gone out of the country, I see this. You know, people want to give me a kiss, and I'm just like, ah, no, nah, I'm good. You know, but, but that's what they do. They go and they do the kiss, you know, and sometimes they want to go straight at the lips, and I don't understand that. But that's what they do over there, you know, in Europe and in other – actually, in most of the world, we're, we're kind of weird. But I don't mind being weird. I'd rather just – you don't have to kiss me. But that's what they do. You know, they they greet someone with a kiss. And then the other thing that they do is they they give you oil to put on your head so that you can wash your face, you know, because people are dirty and you you, you want you want your your guests to smell better and look better. And this is just general hospitality. He comes in. He doesn't do any of this. And then this woman comes in. It said that she was a woman of the city that that means that she's a prostitute. We also know that she's a prostitute because she has this alabaster flask, which is, you know, right in between. That's where they keep it, right there. I'll just (laughs) say it like that. You know, it hangs around the neck because, you know, when a prostitute is with a man, look, people don't smell good back then. They don't take showers every day. In fact, you know, in Europe, man, they don't even take showers every day today. You know, it's, it's different, you know. I don't want that either. But, you know, she, prostitutes, they're trying to smell good. And so the most priceless thing that, or the thing that of most value that they own is this thing that goes around their neck. And it is perfume. Because the man wants them to smell good. That's the way that it, that's the way that it worked back then. And so she comes in. She's a prostitute. And when, when you go and eat at someone's house, you know, this might, you some of y'all might be like, This is kinda weird. Like, does this mean that this woman was like kinda hidden under the table, like doing all this stuff? And only thing people are doing is like sitting at the table and watching it shake and being like, What is going on? There is someone <laughs> down there. And then Simon's like, I don't know I, I don't know what to do. With this, I've never had this happen before. It that's it wasn't that weird. It's still kind of weird what's going on. What they the way that they ate back then is the table's a little raised off the ground and then you lean to eat. I I would kind of do it, but I don't want to Well, I just go and do it. you like, you know, you kind of this is this is how you eat. You know, you eat like this. And so you eat with your right hand and then you lean with your left. And so everybody around the table is leaning. And so it's not that weird. And Simon is to Jesus's left. He's up here because that's where the host sits. And so this woman comes in. We don't know how she gets in, but she comes in. And she is so grateful for who Jesus is. A lot of people who study the Bible agree that what's going on when this happened is that Jesus had said earlier in the day. He said what we have in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I am gentle and lowly of heart, in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And they believe that she was there to hear this. And so no matter what was in her past and no matter how ashamed she was, no matter what was going on before, she heard this and something, something happened. And she believed and she trusted, she trusted what Jesus was saying and she was like, this is my hope in life. I I can come to him and everything can be different. And so they've already had an encounter. So this is the response of the encounter earlier. She over, she, you know, she hears that Jesus is at Simon's house. She's, she comes in and she is just so overcome with emotion that she just, she just comes in and kisses his feet. And you just imagine the scene, like she comes in She doesn't know what to do, but she, like, just starts kissing his feet because she probably doesn't feel worthy. You know, she's a prostitute. Nobody's a prostitute back then and is proud of it. Like, if you're a prostitute, you you accept the fact that you are on the lowest, you're the lowest of the lows. You're at the bottom of the totem pole. And so she realizes that, hey, I don't have it all together, but at least I could kiss his feet. That may be kind of weird for some of y'all. It's not normal for me. But that's how she expressed her gratefulness. And she's looking at this and she's like, you know, she's kissing his feet, but then she's like overcome with emotion emotion. And so she's crying and she doesn't know what to do. And she can't be like, you know, what's his name off of uh, was it Cloudy with a chance of meatballs? Or he's like, get back in there, tear. You know, like she she can't do that. Like, she's just it just they just they just keep coming. And she's like, you know, she she's probably embarrassed and shame, but then she's like, well, at least I could, I could put this this. This perfume, which is of immense worth to me if I were to continue being a prostitute. But instead, I could pour it all out on his feet, which is a declaration that she intends to no longer do this anymore. And so we have this extremely beautiful scene, but at the same time, a pretty uncomfortable scene. I mean, you can't watch us and be like, "This is normal," or "This is like." I mean, yeah. Have y'all ever watched a movie with like a, or you you really like a movie, and then you go and watch it with like your little brother or a younger cousin or like your parents, and you're like, "Hey, you gotta watch it." Ooh, <laughs> man, I don't, I don't. That's in there. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this must be added. I this wasn't here when I was watching. I'm telling you, it wasn't. Here. I have a friend. Christopher knows him well. <laughs> it was Thanksgiving and he was with his in-laws. This is the first Thanksgiving that he's ever had with his in-laws. And so he gets this idea, he's like, Hey, you, oh after after the meal, they're like, Hey, let's uh let's play a game or let's watch a movie and they're like, What should we wha- what should we watch? What should we play? And he's like, Hey, I know this show that's really popular. What if we watch that? I can figure out some way to stream it. Onto the computer, and they're like, "Oh, okay, what is it called?" And he's like, I've never seen it before. It's called Game of Thrones. Let's <laughs> let's let's watch that. And then they'll, <laughs> and then they start watching it. And he's and he's watching. He's like, "Man, oh, I didn't know this was in here." And he's like, well, "This is, this is probably the only time that this is going to be in here. Let's just keep watching it." <laughs> and he said he did that about six times because there was quite a few things all throughout that he said it was a very awkward setting. But this is kind of awkward. This is kind of like, it's it's, it's passionate, it's intense, it's real. It's, it's, but this is just this woman's expressing a deep love and gratefulness for what Jesus had done for her. And then we got Simon sitting here, and he's looking at this, and he's like, are y'all serious? In my house? You got to be joking me. I'm a Pharisee. <laughs> First of all, I wouldn't even let a woman like this in my house. And if this man were a prophet, like all the people are trying to say that he is, he wouldn't let a woman like that in here either, let alone touch him. And he thinks that's his idea of God. <laughs> that's his. That's the way that he sees God. God is someone who separates himself from bad people and associates himself with people like Simon people who have it together, and I said it earlier, that Jesus clears that up, and he rewrites the lines as to what is good and what is bad, because he says it's the proud and the humble. That's where the line is drawn in the sand. It's funny, this man thought Jesus wasn't a prophet, and he's thinking this to himself, and then Jesus shows him he's much more of a prophet than he than he could ever imagine, and he knows what he's thinking, and he looks back, and he says, Simon, so I have a question for you. And he's like, yes, ma- Yes, teacher. And he says, there are two debtors. Two debtors, not one. Two debtors. One owes this amount, and the other owes this amount. Now, the, the difference of the amounts was ten times as much. But they're both debtors. And Jesus asked him, who would love him more? And he says, well, I suppose the one who had the greater debt forgiven. And he said, exactly. And then he looks back at this woman, but he keeps talking to Simon. So you think about this. He's leaning over. He's watching this woman do this. And then Simon is behind him, but he's talking back to Simon. It's really interesting because he calls him out. But it's so cool because he doesn't embarrass him as he calls him out. He doesn't like put him out on blast. Be like, look at you. You're a bum. Look, you didn't. You didn't do this for me. You didn't do this for me. You didn't do this for me. You're actually. You're actually the problem here, not her. He alludes to that, but he doesn't say it outright because God is really gentle. He is. A lot of times, you know, like we feel this conviction, and if it's from God, it'll get our attention, but it won't shame us. If it shames you, then it's probably not from God. It's something else. If somebody's trying to put you out on blast and trying to make you feel bad and they're saying they do it in the name of God, well, you know, you should really think about that. Because though their intentions may be truly to help you, that's not of God to put someone out on blast like that. And so he doesn't call him out outright, but he alludes to the condition of his heart. And he knows he calls him out as to what he's thinking, but he doesn't tell everybody else what Simon is thinking. It's so, so interesting. You know the mistake Simon made? And this is what Jesus is pointing out to him. He had this social sense of righteousness. He had this idea that because of the way that I compare to everybody else around me or the people that I focus on, that makes me qualify as a good person. And Jesus is calling him out, and he's like, you're looking at everyone else to say whether you're right and wrong. And that's not, you're not looking at the right place. We all do this. It's really interesting. I alluded to social media earlier. We all do this. Everybody is looking at some other group, and they're saying, uh, you know what? I'm not that bad because at least I'm not doing this. I have heard so many different things, and I've said so many different things to myself over the course of my life where it's just ridiculous, you see you see the person who goes to church, look at someone who doesn't go to church and well, look at them at least I, at least I'm not 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 going to church and then the person who doesn't go to church is like, "Well, hey, you know it, I may only go to church on Christmas and Easter, but hey, at least I'm not cr- obsessed with my career and making my life about my career and the person who's like, well it, I may be obsessed with my career and I may be obsessed with my you know the work that I do, but hey, at least I'm not on high street getting drunk every Thursday." And the person who's getting drunk every Thursday is like, well, hey, at least I'm not getting drunk every other night in the week. And the person who's getting drunk every every other night in the week is like, well, at least I'm not doing drugs. And the person who's not doing drugs is like, well, at least I'm not selling drugs. Like that's real bad. And the person who's selling drugs is like, look, hey, I may I may sell drugs, but hey, at least I'm not a murderer. And the murderer is like, well, hey, at least I'm not a serial killer. And then the serial killer is like. Hey, well, at least I'm not eating people. Come on, I have morals. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. I we, we lived in Huntsville, and Huntsville is a place where there are a lot of prisons in Huntsville. That was a college we went to. It was like prison city. It was the number one you know, uh, criminal justice program in the nation. We went, I think it's like number three now. You know, I think we, we took the goodness away when we left. I don't know. But it was really weird, because I remember when a friend pointed out to me that Murderer's Row was like, half a block from our dorm, freshman year. And he was like, hey, did you know that's Murderer's Row? And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, that's my bedroom right there. (laughs) (laughs) They're just walking off, and I'm like, do y'all not see a problem with this? (laughs) But I remember some of them went to go work at the prison because the prisons pay pay really well because no one wants to work in a prison. (laughs) And they were talking about and they were like, oh yeah, the prisoners, you know, they'll, you know, these guys, I remember hearing them talk about it and they are like, hey, you know, I may have murdered someone, but at least I'm not a child molester. Those guys who are child molesters, those guys are sick. Those are the real criminals. Everybody is looking at some group of people and saying, because I'm not them, I'm good. We all do it. And this is what Simon is doing here. He's looking at this woman, and he's saying, look, hey, at least, I'm, I'm not a prostitute he's a Pharisee. They wouldn't say that that they're perfect, but they're like, look, I'm a pretty good person. It makes sense that God would love me. It makes sense that he would forgive me. In fact, he ought to forgive me. I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. And Jesus is trying to get him to look up as he's trying to get all of us to do, not at one another, but to him, because the standard is not for us to be better than the person next to us but the standard was for us to be like god and to have his heart and to treat people the way that he treats people that's why he sa- that's why jesus says he says be merciful as your father is merciful be perfect as your father is perfect meaning have the heart that your father does regarding loving people regarding how they treat how he treats people you treat people like that you have mercy like he has mercy on people And so Jesus is like, look, the standard is not between you and this woman. It's the standard between you and God. And when you see it like that, you realize how short you've come of his measuring line. I think I have a slide of it, of uh, the distance between University Town Center. Yeah, there we go. Simon is like University Town Center. He's looking down at this woman who is down by the river. She's hanging out down by the river, and she's at 600 feet elevation. This is the Mon River. And he's at the University town, w- town Center, which is pretty high. Where Some people live at the Domain. Sarah, I think, is one of them. There you go. Domain, that's about 950 feet elevation. And he's looking down at her, and he's saying, you were beneath me. You were this. You were that. But the standard is like the moon. When you look at someone and you're like, hey, I'm 300 feet above you, when y'all are supposed to both be at 1.3 billion feet in the air, (laughs) you wouldn't be bragging about how much higher you are than someone else if you had the right perspective as to where y'all both should be. When you see it in this light, you realize, hey, you know what? I have no reason to look down at you, and you have no reason to look down at me, because neither one of us have it together. We've both missed it. And so Jesus is pointing this out to this man. Y'all are both debtors. You both need forgiveness. It's not because you only owe this much that now you you don't need to forgive me anymore. No. No they both needed forgiveness i had a i was thinking about this and i was like well you know what would help make sense of this and i was like oh yeah i remember something so i was a bit of a troublemaker in high school and middle school and elementary school and uh yeah very much so i'm w- i any, hey can anybody I've, i usually talk to people and i'm like usually no one can can match me on this who got suspended in elementary school Anyone? Yes, there we go, my people. Yes, I managed to get suspended in elementary school. I didn't even—I re- I was so young, I didn't even realize what happened. I looked back on it a few years ago, and I was like, "Hey, why was I in this room with this one specific teacher, separated from everyone for like three days?" My mom was like, "Oh, you got suspended," and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." <laughs> that didn't transform me, you know. I ended up getting suspended multiple times, but. One of the times that I got suspended, I was in ISS because I had – it a really ridiculous story. I thought that the girl that I was dating at the time had been stepping out on me with a friend of mine, and then so I confronted both of them, and I wasn't seeing things clearly, and so I kind of overreacted. <laughs> and I started trying to fight him, and I was so enraged that I ended up hitting one of the teachers. <laughs> and so they were, they were not excited about that at the school for some reason. Like, they just, like, they were, they just didn't like it. I, you know, I thought they'd be encouraged and everything, but <laughs> that just, that wasn't, they were like, we don't, we don't do this. And so I got suspended. And when I did, I wasn't alone, though, because a friend of mine had gotten in trouble earlier in the day. <laughs> what he did was he just cursed out someone in the hallway, and then the teacher overheard it, and then so he got suspended. But you look at the two things that we did. He could have been like, man, Look, I may be something else, but at least I didn't go and punch a teacher. Like, <laughs> you are the worst, Jordan. He thankfully he didn't say that. We we had some fun in ISS. It was it was a joke. <laughs> but um but in being there, the result of our actions led us both to the same place. It didn't matter what we did because in the end, both got us in the same place. We're in this room isolated from everyone and it's just us two our friends are out there and we're here the teachers are out there and we're here everything is going on out there and we're here now you could say he did something a lot less bad than I did in order to get there but in the end we were both separated and there's a scripture Isaiah 59 2 and it says but your iniquities have made separation between you and God And your sins have hidden his face from you. Separated. Sin separates us from God. And this woman desperately needed to be forgiven. And so did Simon. And that's what Jesus was trying to show him. You need forgiveness, you don't have it all together. I have this quote by C.S. Lewis. And he says it really well. He says, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more, more of it than the next man. It says the comparison, it's, it is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of com- competition is gone, pride is gone. Simon needed to understand that he needed to just admit, hey, I don't have it all together. And I, too, am needing of your forgiveness. And that's what Jesus was wanting to show him that night. It's so cool because I don't think Jesus went there to make him feel bad. I don't think he went there to f- remind him of how, how much he messed up. He went there because he loved Simon as much as he loved this woman. And he wanted them both to just be at a place where they could say, you know what? To everyone, to God, <laughs> to everyone. To everyone. I don't have it all together. And I can say that. I know I don't have it all together. And I know that I have to admit this, not only to God, but to everyone, so that I don't find myself playing this comparison game with others, where I think that I'm this and you're this, therefore I'm better than you. A friend of mine says a Christian should never be shocked at sin. And they should also always be able to understand anyone's sin at all times. As I come to a close, uh, I, I used to teach. Um, I taught for one year. I taught history, and I had a girl who asked me. She said it was really cool. I, I was in a place where I was able to. Well, I don't know if I was that able. I just kind of just said it. You know, I talked about Jesus, and I wasn't afraid of it. And if I was going to get fired, I was like, I'll get fired. But who cares? And so I said what I wanted to say, and then this girl said, you know what, Mr. Goody? That's my last name, by the way, Jordan Goody. She said, you know what, Mr. Goody? I just wish that I had done the things that you did growing up. Growing up, I've always done the things I was supposed to do. I've always been good in people's eyes. But I see the way that you love God, and I wish that I had that. And I I wonder do I have to be as bad as you were in order to love God as much as you did or as much as you do? And she says this in front of the whole class. It was a question. This is quite the question. No, she didn't. It was just a matter of perspective. And that's the question that all of us have to ask ourselves. You know, in my perspective, Am I coming to God thinking that I have it all together because I'm a little bit higher up than this other person when we've both missed it? We both need grace, and we both need forgiveness. Your capacity to love God will be directly proportional to the extent that you nee- You think that you need forgiveness. I'm not saying any of this stuff to make you all feel bad. I'm actually saying this stuff because this is unbelievably freeing. Katie just walked out my wife, and it was so cool because we are totally on opposite ends of the spectrum. She's always done the right thing. In fact, she's always been kind of amazed because I'll tell her story after story. Where she's like, how did you did that too? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I did, I did that, you know. And so, But she's like Simon, and she's thinking, God, I've always trusted in how well I've done things, and I've been content with that. And she would tell you that she's had to come to the point where she realizes, you know what, it doesn't really matter how well I've done things. Because I've been satisfied with that and because I've been trying to do it on my own away from God, I still need his forgiveness. And then me, well, I kind of needed peace in another way. I needed freedom from shame, a lot of shame, a lot of embarrassment. It was so cool because at the end of the story, you see how Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That word better translates not go in peace, but go into peace. Some of us are not at peace with ourselves. And because we aren't at peace with ourselves, we're not able to be at peace with others either. Somebody made me really mad earlier today. And I was like, man, I just want to get this person back. And I want this person to know how mad I am at them. And I realized, I just have to let this go. I have to forgive them. And it's easy to forgive people when you realize that you've been forgiven. But it's extremely hard to forgive people if you don't see the need for you to be forgiven. I had to forgive... Oh. I had to forgive my dad because he didn't live up to my expectations for what a father should be when I didn't live up to his expectations for what a son should be. I had to let that go. Some of y'all have to let that go with your parents. You expect a perfection from them, and they were mad at you because you you weren't as perfect as they thought you should have been. You got to let it go, and you can do that if you understand that you need forgiveness Some of us need to let this girl who hurt me or this guy who hurt me or this guy who took advantage of me, you need to let that go. There's a lot of things that we need to let go. And when you understand and when you ask for forgiveness from Jesus, you find it very strange that it's easy to forgive people for what they've done to you because you're like, you know what, we both have missed it and we both need help. We still need help. I still need help. The very last thing I want to say, it's Romans. It's, uh, well, I thought I had it. I guess I don't. I have it up on the screen. It's a verse in Romans. Therefore, since we have ju- been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need his forgiveness. And whether you see that, not if you don't understand it I would encourage you to pray Lord show me why I need forgiveness and show me what your forgiveness means for me and because you have this forgiveness you can be at peace with God because our sin has separated us and we need him to take this weight and this burden off of our shoulders so that we could be free to love him and love others. I hope this is clear. You don't have to have it all together. He's asking us to be honest about that and to tell him that, and to tell him that we want his help. That's it. Father God, you're good. And Jesus, you came here to forgive us And because of what you've done on the cross, we can taste that forgiveness. I pray, Lord God, that anyone who has Simon's spirit, I pray that you would free them from this control of thinking that they have to have it all together and trusting in that. And I also pray that for anyone who is like the prostitute, that we'd be honest and open about the things that bring us the most shame in our past. And we would give that to you. Lord, we all need to be forgiven. And we all need to see clearly why we need to be forgiven. Help us, Lord, to see that. Thank you, Father, for what you've done. And thank you, Lord, because I believe that you were able to reveal this to us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.